If you're visiting with us, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Come on, let's all put our hands together. Let's one voice sing it out. God above. God above all the world in commotion. Come on. God above all my hopes and fears. I don't care what the world throws at me. from the rooftops that you are God and you are worthy of praise 
And as we continue this time of worship and celebration, we do so through singing, but as well in baptisms, God. We pray for the people that are about to be baptized, that you just continue to nurture and foster those relationships with you, that they would go on to do great things and mighty things for you, Lord God. Jesus, we love you. All glory and honor and power and praise to you. We love you.
open your Bibles, if you're not already there, to Ephesians. We're going to actually jump down and start in chapter 5, verse 18, and then jump back up. And uh, I got to be honest, I'm kind of interested to see what you think after this morning. Um, uh, I don't want to put any weird thoughts in your head, but let me tell you what happened last hour. I thought people got a little tense. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's one of those sermons I'd walk around and make eye contact and people would look down real fast. So if I look at you, I'm not singling you out on that particular issue. Don't go, oh, that's me. He knows. You know, uh, but God does. Let's pray. Lord, I praise you for your word, how practical it is, how real it is, how freeing. Oh, how freeing it is when we allow ourselves to be living with you and loving in your name. And God, today, you talk about what we need to do. Let's be filled with your spirit. So may we open up to that. May that be literally uh, an opportunity we have now just to say no more things in our lives, in my heart, in my mind that shouldn't be there. Wash us completely, fill us completely, overflow from us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there was a particular man who went to a business meeting, and he normally didn't get to go, but the CEO invited him to come. And he was beside himself with the opportunity that this could be to actually progress in his career. Well, they were holding the business meeting in a lounge after work. And uh, he got there, and he never, ever drank before, and he noticed everybody else was ordering, but inside him, he, kept, he couldn't bring himself, even though it was like God kept saying, don't do it, don't do it. But, but he kept thinking, I can't just order seltzer water. I can't just order a Diet Coke. And so, well, he decided whatever the CEO orders, I'm ordering. Well, then that meant he got this particular drink, and the CEO drank it, another one, and another one. And, and not only was he drinking beyond what he should, probably what anybody should, and he realized something. My speech is getting slurred. I'm, I'm starting to feel a little dazed. And he thought, I'm going to embarrass myself. Not only am I not keeping up, I'm going to embarrass myself. So he kind of predicted to take a cell phone call and excused himself, said, I'm sorry, i got to go. They were all fine because they were kind of through by that moment. He stumbled towards the lobby, handed his valet to the car guy, and he's knowing in his mind now, I can't drive, but I don't know what to do. And, and so the, they pull up, and he gets in his car, and he's already feeling like he's a little out of control, and he gets on the freeway. And driving down the freeway, he is having such trouble just even staying in his lane. And then behind him it happens, the lights come on. He's like, no, I'm going to get a DUI. No, I don't even drink. What am I doing? And everything inside him says, and he starts praying, God, get me out of this. God, get me out of this. And the highway patrolman pulls him over. He's in the, uh, the shoulder, the meridian area. And, and the highway patrolman walks up. And not thinking you're supposed to stay in the car because he's a little wasted, he gets out of the car. And the high patrolman looks at him and says, sir, have you been drinking? And he's like, no, no, I, I don't drink. And then all of a sudden, pow, on the other side of the meridian and the other direction of traffic, two cars collide. The high patrolman points at him and says, you stay right here. He hops the meridian to run over to make sure the person's okay. And this guy thinks, this is my chance. So I'm going to get out of here, not thinking they got my license already. He hops in the car and just takes off, drives as fast as he can home, pulls up, puts his car in the garage, runs inside, says to his wife, if anybody comes to the door, you tell them I'm, I was been here all night. You just tell them I, I was with you. And she goes, are you, are you drunk? And he goes, I'm not. And he runs upstairs. Well, it's not even five minutes. Knock at the door, opens the door, highway patrolman standing there, not just one or two, a bunch. 
and they say, um, does so-and-so live in this house? And she said, well, that's my husband. And they said, uh, can we speak to him? And she goes, well, he's upstairs taking a shower. He said, ma'am, we really need to speak to your husband. So he comes downstairs pretending he's toweling off, and, and the policeman looks at him and says, uh, sir, were you pulled over tonight on the freeway? And he goes, no, 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 no. I've been here all night long. And, and they look at his wife. They go, is that true? And she goes, um, yeah, he's been here all night long. They go, come outside. So they walk him outside. They go, open your garage. And he opens the garage, and inside the garage is a highway patrol car with the lights going. He got a little busted, huh? Um, look what it says right here in Ephesians 5.18. It says, and do not, do not get drunk with wine. And catch the next three or a few words, for that is dissipation. Now, what are we getting at here? We're going to get into something super positive, but don't miss this. When someone becomes inebriated or, or high on any particular substance, alcohol or drugs or whatever, the Bible says that you're wasting your life. That's a dissipation. That, that isn't a good thing. You're not living life to the fullest. Your senses aren't in control. And, and what happens is you're under the control of something else, another substance. And he goes, don't let that happen to you. Don't let it wine or alcohol or drugs or anything else take over your life. So it says, do not get drunk with wine because that's dissipation. That's wasting your life. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, I think that's very interesting that God actually begins to almost compare the two. If you or I drink, we actually lose control to a particular degree of our ability to perceive, our ability to relate, our ability to act, our ability to talk. All those things go out the window. But are you ready for this? When the Holy Spirit fills you, in some ways you become under control of another substance. It's another way of losing control, but a positive way. One you were made for. When you or I are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, he takes over our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, our attitudes, and everything changes. By the way, it actually moves you to what you were created to do and who you were created to be. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, anybody who's studied the word in depth, and I know many of you have, already know what the next line has to be. Whenever in the Bible... The term filled with the Holy Spirit is used. Are you ready for what always comes next? And I mean, by the way, always speaking. Do you see that in verse 19? It says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, every time, 100% of the time, that the term filled with the Spirit is used. And by the way, as a Christian, you get filled with the Spirit more than once. It's not just a one-time process. It always is happening. I don't know if you heard about the guy who uh, every Sunday the invitation was given and he came down and he would kneel on the stairs and he would just start screaming out, God, fill me with the Spirit. Fill me with the Spirit. He did that one week, two weeks. He meant loudly, God, fill me with the Spirit. About the ninth weekend, he comes forward and kneels down, God, fill me with the Spirit. And someone yells out, don't do it, God. He leaks. <laughs> hey, we all leak. We all leak. But God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit, not just once, repeatedly. If he does, you will always speak. You will never be silent. 
You may speak praise, you may sing praise, you may speak words of edification, you may end up preaching or teaching or or witnessing, Uh, you may praise God. Uh, You're always going to say something. Nowhere in the Bible, if anyone's filled, they're silent. They're always going to speak. And and I want you to grab that. By the way, I'm not sure of how that process always works. I think sometimes we're filled with the Spirit and speak, and other times we speak in faith and we're filled with the Spirit. I think the two can happen. You might be in a particular setting where you have a chance to share Christ and the Holy Spirit fills you so you'll speak. Other times God's going, as soon as you start talking, it's coming. As soon as you, and you're like, uh, 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 and God's going, do it. Step out of faith, say it, say it, say it. And, you're, uh, and you say it, and all, boom, all these words come. And it's the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I want to tell you something here. That you ought to know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You ought to know when that happens. I mean, it's so incredible and amazing. You can't contain it. And you go, that was the Spirit of God. I know God moved in that moment. And I've watched it happen again and again in my life and the lives of others. And that's how it ought to be. And I'll tell you something else. I I know not. I've heard people put this down, but I'm going to just go ahead and tell you it. Uh, As someone, and I'm sad to say this, I got caught up in the drug culture when I was younger and and got caught up on getting high and all those things. And, And then I came to know the Lord. And it really is true that it's a higher high being filled with the Spirit of God than any drug can give you. It really is. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, once you get filled with the Holy Spirit, nothing compares. Why would you want to be high on 89 proof alcohol when you can have 100% Jesus? And, uh, and God, God does something, you guys. It really is true. And so if you haven't ever experienced that, what I want to tell you is that's what God wants for you. And it comes again and again and again. And, and, and we ought to leak. We ought to flow out. It ought to happen to us. God wants that to occur. But it's interesting that it has to do with either singing or speaking or, or praying or, or encouraging. And, and all that happens. Now, why is that important to our study? Now, we're going to jump back up to the top, uh, and we'll be in Ephesians 4.25. And here's why. In Ephesians, Paul said, now that you are in Christ, and you are seated with the Lord and experiencing the riches of his grace lavished upon you, he starts out by saying, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. I want you to walk the walk. Well, guess what? He not only wants us to walk the walk, he's about to get into, I want you to talk the talk. I want your, what you say and what you do to be guided by God, to be pleasing to God, to be empowered by God. That's what I want to have happen. As a matter of fact, Jesus said something. Before we jump into Ephesians, listen to this. Luke 6, verse 45. The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. And the evil man, out of the treasure of his heart, brings forth what is evil. For the mouth speaks from that which fills the heart. Uh, I want to say that again. The mouth speaks, according to Jesus, from that which fills the heart. What comes out of your mouth is what's in your heart. You need to know that. Uh, if, if I were, uh, I have my cup of coffee and I'm walking through the Tyler Galleria and, and you bump into me, you know what's going to come out of my cup? Coffee. Now you might say, well, okay, that did. But how about this? I'm walking in the Tyler Galleria and you bump into me and I'm like, are you okay? Are you all right? Guess what's in my heart? But if you bump into me and another word comes out, well, that's what's in my heart. I, uh, I walked into a setting I'll never forget. Uh, it was a, you know, I'm the senior employee, you know, I'm the senior leader, and I walked in on a couple of employees going at it who didn't know I had stepped in the room. And one of them is going off. And I'm looking, 
And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? And all of a sudden they look, oh, you know, the boss is here. And I'll never forget the next words. They go, oh, I am so sorry. I didn't know you were here. And I thought, well, okay, that's not the issue. Then how about the next one? That, I, I know you heard me, but I got it. You know, that wasn't me. I said, oh, so we have someone demon possessed on staff. You know, and uh, that wasn't me. And, and I honestly, I, I looked at him and I said, no, the, the issue, I need to tell you, regardless of what else is going on, the real issue is that's you. That's you. And I want to help you. But don't tell me it's not you. That was you. What just came out of your mouth tells me what's in your heart. We got to deal with this. I, I want to make sure we deal with it. Please don't miss it. Whatever you love the most is what you talk about the most. If I get around you and you never bring up Jesus, you never talk about Jesus, I, I mean, you might go, well, no one taught me how. People do, if you love God, no one has to teach you how to talk about him. You know, it's not like when Pam and I met, I went, oh, okay, I got to go to a class to learn how to talk about Pam. You know, anybody have that happen? You get a girlfriend, you go, okay, I got to take the class about how to... No, if you fall, if I bump into a junior high girl who likes a boy, I'm going to hear about it for four hours. I mean, it, you know why? She's just, that fills her heart. And, and you know what? If, if, by the way, I love my wife, I'm going to talk about my wife. If I love my kids, I'm going to talk about my kids. If I love my grandkids, I'm going to talk about my grandkids. And if I love the Lord my God, my heavenly father, I'm going to talk about him. And I'm going to talk about it in ways that are pleasing. It's just going to come out. By the way, that's why, even though it's not bad to teach you how to witness, that's not a bad thing to do. The truth of the matter is, do you know who wins more people to Christ than anybody else? Brand new Christians who have never been taught. Why? Because it just flows out of them. They just want to go tell everybody. And, and you know what? Hopefully never, ever do we get inoculated to that. We need to have a heart that's filled with it. And that's why Paul talks about how we speak. Notice he, first of all, says we need to be truthful people. Ephesians 4, verse 25. Therefore, therefore, lay aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. He said, you know what? Starting in the body of Christ, but then everybody else around you, be a truthful person. You know, I, I know, I, I got to tell you, you probably already know this. I've sat in situations where there was intense relational conflict. And then I'll hear these words, but you lied to me. You lied to me. I've heard a parent say that to a child. I've heard a child say it to a parent. I, I've been in employee situations, but you lied to me. A marital conflict. Matter of fact, when you lay out that line, you lied to me. Boy, it tells you we're going to have a real intense problem here. Because now can I ever trust you? Jesus said that those who worship God worship him in spirit and in truth. So we're to be truthful people. We're to tell the truth. And so I know everybody here knows that, and, and, and I just want you to know it. By the way, the Bible does say in Zechariah that everybody who, except for Jesus, all of us have lied. Now, now is that okay? No. We've all done it. And so we ought to have some grace towards other people who do it. But I want to say this. God says now that the Holy Spirit's in you, you should not speak a lie. By the way, if you're empowered by the Spirit and the Spirit's moving in you, you will not speak a lie. You're going to always tell the truth. But notice what else it says in verse 29. Skip down there. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Now, I want to stop. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. Nothing that's not wholesome. Nothing that's not good. Notice what it even says. But only such word is as good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. 
Now, by the way, the Bible talks here and says this. I don't want you to have any word come out of your mouth that doesn't build people up. That's what edification means. It means to build up. Edify means to build up. I only want you to say things that are constructive, not destructive. Our mouths were made for that. And by the way, there is a power in words like we cannot get over. Words have power. They can build people up or they can tear them down. And God wants you to only say things that build up. So what does that mean? I need to be truthful, but I also need to be kind. Proverbs chapter 3 says, I want you to bind truth and kindness around your neck and write it on the tablets of your heart. And so maybe at some point you may need to say to me something that's critical, but you need to say it in a way that builds up. I may need to say something to someone else that's a little bit critiquing, but it always should be encased in kindness to build them up. I've had some people in the midst of being very mean-spirited say these words, but at least I'm truthful. That is such a cop-out. It really is. You know what? The Bible's very clear that if it's truth and kindness, it's of God. But if it's truth and it's not kind, it is not of God. We need to have that kind of an attitude. We need to be those kind of people. And God wants you to only say things that build up and do not tear down. And by the way, maybe this probably needs to be overemphasized. If you're a parent, you should only do that with your kids. There are many of you in this room today who have been the target of abuse from parents. And, you know, I, 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 there's an old saying, sticks and stones can break your bones, but what words can never hurt you. Everybody know that's a lie. Everybody here know that's a lie. Those words hurt. As a matter of fact, I, I talk to people all the time who can't get over words that were said, the nuclear missiles that were launched into their soul that destroyed their self-image. And the last person that ever should do that is a parent to a child. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that's not going to happen. There's a book called The Power of the Whisper by Bill Hybels. I'm loving this book. And in it, um, this woman named Linda tells about the fact that she was raised in a home that had lots of yelling in it. She said, that's just the kind of life I was brought up in. And, and so lots of yelling, lots of screaming. And so she said, when I got married, I was that way towards my husband and then towards my two daughters. She said, if they spilled the milk, I yelled at them. If they didn't put their clothes away, I yelled at them. If they didn't, you know, set the remote in the right place, I yelled at them. And, and she said, that's just who I was. And then one night, when her daughters were particularly emotional because their family dog had died, they had gone and gotten tin cans and, and, and different cans from the storage area, the food pantry, and they, they told mom we're going to build a tower so we can go to heaven and see our dog. And they're building this and they're doing it and she's cooking dinner and she hears this loud crash and she runs into the room and somehow there's enough of a crash that one of the cans broke open and spilled all over the carpet. And she's just about to yell. And all of a sudden it happened. For the first time in her life, she heard God. She believed in him, but now she heard him. And she heard this word, no. And she stopped. And she heard God say to her, no, you can correct your children, but you're never to yell at them again. And she stood there. And then it came back again, no. You can correct your children, but you're never to yell at them again. And she said, I knew there was a God, and I knew it was my father talking to me. There was no doubt. And she said, here's the wild thing. I couldn't utter a word at that moment. I stood there with tears in my eyes, realizing what I had done to those little girls, realizing how I'd been wrong. 
And according to what's in this particular book, she never, ever once yelled at him again. Now, that will make you a better parent. That'll make you a better person. No unwholesome word, not one. Not to a food server, not to a, 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 a by the way, not to the person at the DMV. Uh, not, you know, not to anybody. And you know what? I, I have had a couple of people say, but I've learned in those situations, if I do it, I get more results. But you're not getting the result you want. Your soul's being tainted. And you know what? We need to be people who say, I'm not going to do that. No unwholesome words. I, uh, I know a particular couple that I love. Uh, the man is incredibly godly. The wife is godly, very vivacious, very out there, very quick with her emotions. And, and we love that about her. But, but what happened is she was raised in a home that yelled. And so what happens is she's got this very, he's a strong man, he's a kind man, he speaks intelligently and godly, and she falls in love with him as a teenager, and they get married, and then what happened is she would just yell. So early on in their marriage, she would just like, you know, she didn't like what he, she'd scream at him, and he would just watch her, and he, she could not push his buttons. She couldn't get him to react, and by the way, are you ready? She knew that that's what she was starting to do. Anybody else like that? Anybody else is like, they won't react. I'm going to get them more. I'm going to get them. They're going to finally scream back. Yeah, I got to them. You know, and that's who she was. Well, one day earlier in their marriage, he's sitting at the breakfast table, and she comes walking in, and she unloads. She doesn't She was telling me, I don't remember what it was about, but I'll never forget the moment. She's screaming and screaming, and he's looking at her, and she's just going and going, and then she gets done, and he looks at her and says, Wow. That was incredibly immature. And then he goes back to eating his breakfast. <laughs> you know what she said? I learned I couldn't win. Every time I lost it, I lost. He always had control in that moment. Now, you ready? He had control, and God had control. No unwholesome word. And I want you to not miss that. By the way, you don't miss this. That means no racial slurs. No uh, hateful speech. None of that. God's words in your mouth should always be, they may need to point something out. They may need to even decry an injustice. They may need to redirect somebody, but never in a way that tears down. God's great desires for that. Look at chapter 5, verse 4. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk and coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. Look at verse 4 again. Chapter 5, verse 4, if you're not there. There must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting. Now, I want to center in on two of those words. One is filthiness. Uh, culturally, there are certain words that are okay in a certain culture, and they're not in another. Uh, those words change from time to time. But I think we all know what they are. I'm not going to give you a list today, okay? I'm not going to put a list of words that we shouldn't say on the screen. But I do want to say this. And I, okay, I, I know I'm old. I know I'm old. But I, I really got to tell you something, and I, I hope that I've really wrestled this through, even though how I was going to say it today. I'm amazed at how it's become okay for Christians to cuss. I don't know actually who it's okay with. I don't believe it's okay with God. I don't think it's okay with the Holy Spirit. But I'm hearing, I, I just heard a, a pastor that I love, and all of a sudden he rattled off a few words, and I'm like, why? Why, why, why do that? And you know what? I just want to say this. You know, I really believe when God comes, he, he changes that in us. He changes our heart that way. 
And, and, and I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm really trying not to be judgmental. I just think that our mouths were built to praise God, and we shouldn't be praising God one minute and cursing the next. And uh, I just don't think that's who we are. So no filthy talk whatsoever. No filthy talk whatsoever. Uh, I, I did talk to one particular guy. Joe and I were talking about this after the last service. And I talked to one particular guy, and, and he said to me, you know, you know, Chuck, I know it bothers you when I say those words, but I do it to be real. And I'm like, okay, look, I'm trying not to be judgmental. And then they said, I do it so I can relate to the world. And I said, you're not supposed to relate to the world. It's okay if you build a bridge and they can come to you, but you don't cross over to them. You know, and, and we just got to be better than that. And, and I mean that, better than that. Now, the next thing he said is coarse jesting. You know what coarse jesting is? That's when you use jokes at someone else's expense. You know, when you put someone down and then we laugh and go, oh, but I just, I didn't mean it. It was all meant to be funny. And so you attack somebody and attack somebody and attack somebody, but all in a joking way. And everybody's laughing, but probably not the person being shot at. You know that? Probably not the person. I, I, uh, I was in a particular situation with the woman who said to me, um, Chuck, I don't know if my father ever said a kind word to me all my life. But he made me feel stupid and ugly and like I didn't matter. She said, I'll never forget the night of my prom. I could not have been more excited. And I walked out in my dress to see my dad and see my date. And my dad started just mocking me. And, and he thought it was funny. And she goes, to this day, those words have been echoing in my mind. You know, words hurt. Words hurt. And, and I want to tell you something. I believe that all of us share in this. Now, if you're the one person who doesn't, I'd like to hear from you. I really, I, I've never met anybody who said this was not true of them. And there might be somebody here it is. But you know what I, I think we all share in common? Is someone could come and say five amazing things to you, but if they say one bad one, we remember the bad one. Isn't that true? Now, have you ever noticed that? I, I one time, this really happened, uh, back when I was weighing about probably 270, and uh, what happened is I had preached, and I came down, and I'm talking to people, and this person comes and goes, Chuck, that was the most amazing sermon I've ever heard. Another person said, oh man, God used you today, and they're just going on. One person said, I think you're my favorite preacher ever. And he actually said that. And then a, a young girl stepped up, and Pam happened to be pregnant at the time, and she gave me a hug, and she patted my stomach and said, so you're pregnant too. Whose words were in my mind all day long? Yeah, and you know what? I, I think we share in that. And, and you know what? I, I want to tell you, don't be the person who does it. Don't be the person who knows that way. Let your, don't use coarse jesting ever. By the way, if you're here today and you're saying, man, it just sounds like Christians can't be fun. Well, that's not true. You and I can joke. You and I can ha make jokes and we can tease people, but we should do it in ways that build them up, not tear them down, right? And you can. You could be just as funny. Now, now, let me give you an example. In our office, one of the ways we love to joke and tease is we always go up to Ronnie Roa and we say, Ronnie, man, you are the handsomest guy ever. Ronnie, you look like a male model. And then we all laugh and he gets embarrassed and we keep going, dude, no, you're good looking. No, I mean, wow. And, and here's what's fun. After the last service, Ronnie was inundated with people to tell him how good looking he was. And he was like, oh, he just couldn't, you know. And you could do that. You could joke that way. By the way, are you ready? Do we think Ronnie's good looking? Yeah, we mean it. We mean it. And that's why there's a danger when you joke the other way. And you say, but I was only kidding. Were you? When you, you attack somebody, oh, I can't believe you wore that. Ah. 
well, you know, I, do you think there might be truth in what you just said? And deep down we know it. You know, you're such a liar. I'm not going to say some of the others. You know why? Because some of you have heard them. And they hurt. They really hurt. No filthy talk, no coarse jesting, none of, none of that. And, and by the way, do we all stumble in it? James chapter, uh, in the book of James, the letter of James, James warns the tongue is the one thing that can't be controlled in chapter three. But he said, you know what? That doesn't make it okay. And so you and I need to have a better attitude, a better heart about things like that. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So then it makes sense in verse 26, chapter four, verse 26, he follows with something else. He says, be angry and yet do not sin and do not the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. He said, I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, so I don't want you to be an angry person. I don't want you to be given over to that. I don't want that to be who you are. And and so here's the thing. We need to be truthful. We need to be kind. We need to have words that build up and not tear down. And we don't want to be given to anger. The Bible says in James, James chapter 2, James says, the wrath of man does not, you know, produce the righteousness of God. And so you and I need to determine ahead of time, I'm not going to let anger control me. Now notice it says, be angry. There are certain situations, there's no way you're not going to get mad. And that can be okay as long as you're controlling it and it's not controlling you. And as long as it's for the moment and put away and put aside. In other words, if you're wrathful or you pour out, or I do that, that's not okay. And if I hang on to it and keep rehearsing it day after day, that's not okay. Be angry, but do not sin. In other words, realize what's going on and say, God, I'm not gonna let that control me and make sure you're a different person. And when you do, you shine out in an amazing way. And God wants that for you. He really wants that for you. That's his great desire. And then I want you to skip down to verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do you know what God is saying there? The word grieve means to bring someone to the point of tears. Uh, uh, if I'm grieved, I'm almost going to be, I'm going to ready to cry. I'm so hurt by what happened. I'm so pained by what happened. Now, I want to tell you some things that come out of this that just get to me. Number one, God loves you so much you can hurt his feelings. You can hurt God's feelings. As a heavenly father, he loves you. It can, it literally, you can hurt his feelings. And when you and I lie to somebody, it hurts the feelings of God. When we attack somebody, God goes, oh, don't do that. It hurts. It literally brings the Holy Spirit to tears. You could be filled with the Spirit and speak praise to God, and it's a blessing to Him. Or you could be mean-spirited and attacking or lie or cruel and, and, or wrathful, and God says it hurts. It just hurts. And, and have we ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the pain that it causes, the ache it causes, the hurt it causes? And when you do, I hope that it makes you go, you know what, that's how much God loves me. That's how much he matters to me. I was just in a conflict resolution situation, and I was able to say, and everybody agrees, you know why this hurts so bad? Because you guys love each other. And they said, we do. We really do. And you know what, God is saying, I don't want to be in conflict with you because it hurts. And I love you too much. And by the way, if you're new, this isn't about a God who's way out there and some rules we follow. It's about a relationship with him where he loves you as a dad. And he says, don't grieve me. Don't hurt me. Don't do those things. I want you to have that kind of an attitude. That's his great desire. And then look at chapter 5. or like, Sorry, verse 431 and 32. 431 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you 
along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God and Christ has forgiven you. He says, don't be a wrathful person. Put away malice, put away anger, put away clamoring. Put all that aside from you. Don't let that be who you are. And then chapter 5, verse 1 continues this on. Therefore, since you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, therefore, since you're to be a kind and truthful person, therefore, since you're not to steal or, or do anything like that, therefore, you're not to be governed by wrath and not have bitterness, wrath, anger, and clamor in your life or slander, you know, attacking somebody vindictively. Therefore, chapter 5, verse 1, be imitators of God. As beloved children and walk in love. Now catch this. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Now, you know what God is telling me and you? Our ultimate goal in life is to live like Jesus would live, to act like Jesus would act, to love like Jesus would love, to act, talk like Jesus would talk. And we need to take that seriously. Be an imitator of God. Be an imitator of God. And, and you know what? You and I need to be living pictures of who God is. Jesus said, you know, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, none of us are going to be as perfect as Jesus. He said, but I want you to love that way. Remember a couple weeks ago, I even said non-Christians, people who don't know the Lord, they expect that of us. They expect it of us. And they're right to. Uh, when I uh, was preaching at Christ Church of the Valley, I ended up being in the back room and and being a part of a woman coming to know Christ, the sermon had touched her and I got to talk with her and, and she made her first time decision for Christ. A few weeks later, she came walking in with a beautiful, beautiful girl who was her daughter. Long, beautiful blonde hair, big brown eyes. And, and they went and sat right in the front and I found out what happened. The little girl said to the mom, Mom, can I go to big church with you? And so I was preaching and so they came in and sat right there about this spot. And, and I gotta tell you, I, I was amazed. That little girl was glued to me. Like, if I walk this way, she watched me. If I walk back, she watched me. And every now and then, she'd wave to me. And, you know, no matter how many other people got bored, she was tuned in. And I thought, wow, I mean, I, I, I love this girl. Well, a few weeks later, after her coming week after week after week, and never being a problem, what happened is I had a friend coming to speak, and so I uh, introduced him and went and sat in the spot kind of over where that would be right there. And uh, I noticed as soon as I sat down, I saw her look and her eyes got real big and she looked at me and looked at my friend who's starting to preach and she's shaking her head and she whispers to her mom and her mom's trying to calm her down and she's getting really animated and the mom's looking and I see the mom get a puzzled look on her face and she's, her mom's like, no, and the girl's, yeah, no. And they're trying to discuss it and they're becoming a problem to be honest. Finally, the little girl literally hops up and runs to me while my friend's preaching. And I thought, you've never done this before. And then she sits down. We had pews. She scooched close to me and almost cuddled up. And so I look at this beautiful little girl, and she asks this question. Do you like what he's saying? <laughs> and I said, um, yes, I do. And she goes, oh, okay. And she was fine. She didn't leave. She stayed cuddled up, so I'm in heaven. But uh, the whole time she sits and listens and we're done and when it, the, the sermon's over, the mom walks over to me and she's laughing and she said, Pastor Chuck, I got to tell you what I found out tonight. I didn't know this was going on. See, whenever we would get ready for church, I would always tell her, she'd go, Mommy, why do we go to church? She goes, I go there to praise God and to hear from God. And uh, you already got it? And so what happened is the little girl thought I was God. And it really bugged her that God wasn't speaking and somebody else was. And so whenever I talked, she said, it was God, oh, it's God. And she, was all, and she would even say, Mom, God said this to me, and that, and, but she was quoting me. 
Now, here's where, I, first of all, nobody who knows me thinks I'm God. <laughs> but I even thought, you know, I am so glad that I never, ever said something to that little girl that wasn't kind. I'm so glad that I, I took time to smile at her. I'm so glad that, you know, obviously we course corrected and let her know that God's a little bit better than I am. Uh, but, <laughs> but I'm really glad that I always showed her love. And even in that moment, I didn't just come, you know. Oh, oh. And I think that we need to take that a little more seriously, be imitators of God. You know, if you're here today and you might say, you know, I've been checking out the church, but I got to tell you, I've seen some people who say they're Christians. And, oh. Well, you know, me too. By the way, I think people might say that about me sometimes in a weak moment. But I want to tell you, you should never look at people, look at God. You know, just keep your eye on him. And... For all of us who are today know the Lord, we've got to keep following. If you fall, get up. If you say the wrong thing, go to him. But you know what? Today, if you're brand new to all this, man, I would love for you to come to know a father who loves you so much that his feelings are yours, that he's open to you, that he cares about you, that he would cry over you because you matter to him, that he would fill you with the Holy Spirit so you would have energy and vitality and a life you can't imagine. This is for you. And if you're brand new, please don't miss this. Our goal isn't for you to intellectually commit to God. It's for you to open up to an emotional and intellectual and true love relationship with him. That's what the Bible teaches about. A God who loves you and directs you and talks to you and leads you and guides you. And if you're not in that, I want to tell you, you might say, how do I get it? Here's the answer. You open up. You just pray. You say to him, I want this. And today, if you're here and you've never said yes to God... I'm going to pray in a moment. I'm going to ask you if you want to, would you pray with me? Would you pray to him and say, I want this and open up to him? Today, if you're a Christian and you've messed up, by the way, today, if you're just here and you've messed up, do you know what God loves to do? He loves to let you start over. And he loves to take whatever sin and guilt might be on you and remove it as far as the east is from the west. And today, if you don't want to be the person you've been, guess what? Walk out of here different. Walk out of here cleansed by the love of God. Walk out of here renewed in Him. And how do you do that? You open up and tell Him. Say, I want this and let Him do it to you. Maybe it's to recommit to Christ. Maybe it's to come for the first time. But He wants to do that. The last thing I don't want to forget to say, please don't miss this. If you have been wounded by somebody, and it may be physically or mentally, emotionally, but maybe it's verbal. Don't walk out of here that person anymore. Let the Holy Spirit come and renew you and start teaching you who you really are. And don't let those words echo in your mind and dictate you. Don't let them create fear. Let God cleanse them away from you completely and let him call you to who you're meant to be. And again, how do you do that? You open up to him. When we're open with God, he's open with us. And when we call out to God, he draws near to us. And our hope and prayer today as we get ready to pray that some of you will experience that. Let's go to God right now. Father, I love you. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would literally come in this room. Fill us, Lord, with your words. Fill us with your truth. Fill us with your love and your spirit. And may we in a moment sing praise to you because of that. May we speak words that are kind and caring. And Lord, I want to pray right now that you would just begin to touch anybody who needs to give their life to you. 
I pray right now for a man who's sitting here and he needs to open up and I pray God he's ready to do it. He can know it's his moment in time. I pray for a person who's sitting here today and they have been verbally abused to the point that every time in life they get ready to try something, they find themselves in fear, withdrawing, hiding out. God, I pray today that's going to be done away with. I pray for anybody, Lord, who needs to come to you right now or needs to recommit. God, you know who they are. They know that, that you're touching them. I'm going to ask that we keep praying and in a moment I'm going to lead that prayer, but I want to have you think about it. Is God calling you right now? Do you sense God calling you to say yes to Him or to recommit? Do you feel the tug? Or maybe the touch, the warmth? Is there a whisper inside? And if there is, pray this prayer with me. I'm going to ask you, just actually whisper these words. Open up to Him by saying, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me all my sin. To heal me from all hurt and pain. To free me from worry and fear. To make me alive. To make me brand new. And to make me yours. And I say yes. Just whisper that. I say yes. I want this life and I want you. So fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your love. And make me yours completely. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise God if you prayed that today. Praise the Lord.